Take your little brother swimming with a brick. That is one of the lyrics in this song. This song is amazing. I, I'm not going to try to hide my love for this. Yes, it's surprising. Coming from Brian May. We haven't had a song like this yet from him. We haven't had very many songs like this from Queen in general. I think this is the first time we get something that's really demanding in a very aggressive way, save maybe Freddie's Death on Two Legs, dedicated to, which kicked off A Night at the Opera, before the wonderful A Day at the Races, where we are today. Album number five. This is dive number 47, track number one on that album. And this is very, very special. Not only is it a very hard rocker, all hard bluesy rock, it has an interesting intro. And it's very important because the intro is a sound, a theme that bookends the album itself, creating a circle, a cycle, if you will. It's a great concept. And this is the raucous, fun, little bit immature, some might say kind of creepy, tie your mother down. I gotta say, my sentiment around the song, my feeling around the song has changed a little bit over time. I've always liked it, but my thoughts around its creation, the motivation, how personal this actually is on a lyrical level have shifted. And we're going to talk about why that is the case here. Yes, this is all Brian May, ladies and gentlemen, the same man who wrote White Queen as it began and Someday One Day, the same man who has written so many thoughtful, sensitive songs has written this. And you'd be surprised to know this is all wanting privacy with your lover, no matter what it takes, taking it to the extreme. Tie your mother down. I love this song. It was a single released March 4th of 1977. I can't believe we're getting into the end of the 70s here. We're approaching the later 70s. It's quite amazing the journey we've been through on these queen deep dives. But it charted at number 31 in the UK. But here's what's interesting. More than 20 years later, it was released as a double A-side with the song No One But You, and it was number 13 at that time in the UK. It was also number 49 in the US during its initial single release. So not overly impressive on the charts, but we're going to talk about the way this song has endured over the years and the general opinion of fans, which is pretty universal. We're at 135 beats per minute. A very nice rock tempo here. And we're in some variable time signatures and keys because, again, we have an intro section. We have an interlude of sorts. We have a 4-4 time signature that's very flexible in the beginning. And then we have 4-4 with a shuffle beat throughout the bulk of the song that's actually tie your mother down. Keys, we have D minor and G mixolydian. Mixolydian is the seventh note flatted. 
creates that very strong kind of tense vibe that we've talked about melodically. And then we have a modal inflected A major through the bulk of the song. So a little bit of variation here, which is very necessary because again, there are different movements to this song. It opens in dramatic fashion with a gong. Moody guitar, which is actually a nod to another Brian Race's composition, which we'll talk about later in the track list, on some more Queen Deep Dives down the road. It's rising, unending, cyclic, ascending, triadic harmonies. Tie Your Mother Down launches into a rousing guitar riff that dominates, winning over even the most critical listeners. Some of Queen's roughest, hardest vibes are overwhelmingly loud here. And for the first time, we feel like the guys are demanding something of us, or at least that's how I feel when I listen to this. Freddie performs, mm, shouts, many of the lead vocals, aggressively encouraging the listener to do anything and everything to ensure a moment of passion finally realized. The song's title, along with that glorious riff, are repeated often, but it only creates a catchiness that rivals many a Queen song. The song's contrasted major minor notes in the scale with bluesy flat thirds and flat sevenths keep this interesting. It's very intriguing, a little mysterious, and yes, sexy. New Techniques surprises reel us into the boy's latest and greatest. John's bass adds heavy-duty weight in sync with the melodies. Roger's drums, and his vocal harmonies for that matter, crash all over the place, reach ever higher. And Freddie's just having a blast here. (laughs) Demanding and screaming and getting all bossy, and I love it. And it's all supported by Brian's angsty guitar solos and riffs. Once in a while, the guys just like to rock out. And here, they do it with plenty of flash and explosions, literally during performances. Let's let's talk about the performances. Brian is certainly fond of his creation here. It was included on the set list of almost every Queen show, 433 times from 1976 and every tour thereafter through 86, as well as his solo tours in the 90s and the reunited Queen and Paul Rogers tours for 106 times and the Queen and Adam Lambert tours for 198 times. He even performed a slowed down country style version of the song to better fit the acoustic performance of his acoustic by candlelight tour with Carrie Ellis. And he's worked with Carrie Ellis multiple times. He's done it fairly recently. I've seen posts about his collaborations with her on social media. This song, Tie Your Mother Down, has been covered by hundreds, literally hundreds of artists. Now back to Queen in concert. They would often kick this off on an adrenaline rush pushing that tempo very fast. They'd settle into a manageable pace toward the end of the first verse, usually. And this sounds fabulous live. Freddie takes the lead, but Roger and Brian provide backing vocals with great dynamics, expression. And because many of this song's vocals are spoken with plenty of sass, no less, 
Freddie has a ball with this. He could punch this through even if his voice was worn and rough after being in the studio or previous night's performances, what have you. Brian digs into his solo with distortion, layers of harmonies in thirds, plenty of aggression. John rocks on, totally on top of the beat, locked in with Raj. Oh, Roger? Yeah, he's just pounding away. On the drums, yes. <laughs> plenty of cymbals, plenty of toms. And that outro, <sighs> What a crowd pleaser this was. It makes me run faster when I hear it too. This song live is one of those that is a monster, translated so well on a stage. We've talked about before how some songs just didn't work as well live. Father to Son is one of those. It's also a Brian creation as well from their Queen 2 album that just never worked well live. And I think that's why they dropped it not too long after they started doing more regular tours with album releases. It, something about it just didn't come across as impressive. But here, the guys can create this very compact sound between the four of them live. And guys, we are still at the point in their live performances in the sort of mid to later 70s here where they didn't have anyone else on stage but just the four of them. Montreal in 81. That is the last time the guys performed as a foursome on a stage. After that point, they added a keyboardist and other supporting players. But at this point, with this album release and for the next few years, we get just the four guys on stage and I'm still wowed that we get them with such power every single time. Some comments from the guys about Tie Your Mother Down. This is one of those songs that I can't say the title without singing it. From Brian himself. And this is where my opinion about this has changed because of comments like this one. Here we go. He said, quote, I'll tell you the truth. I know what happened. Sometimes you get a little riff and you just put some words with it and then you don't even think about what they mean. Now, I remember thinking, now this isn't a good enough title for this song, but everyone said, well, actually it sounds okay. And so we kind of lyrically built it around that. That's the truth, folks. That's very interesting to me because Brian, if I had to guess, is very personally motivated by what he writes. He's talked about being inspired by dreams. He's talked about his memories and how they've informed his lyrics, the tone of his songs. But here, it's almost like he's saying, well, I came up with this riff and the title for this thing, which I thought was awful. But then the guys were like, no, this is great. So let's work on this and let's write something around it. So was this not something that Brian personally was motivated to write? Was this one of those numbers that the guys, even if Brian was the sole songwriter initially, so he was ultimately only credited, was this one of those efforts where everybody kind of said, let's just have fun with this? Because that that's what I think happened here. Another wonderful question I would have for Brian and Roger and just to find out, okay, tie your mother down. Tell me about this. Was this something that you just had fun with? Because now, I think that's what this is about. I don't think anybody was trying to make a particular statement here. I feel like this number and all of its slight immaturity and maybe perhaps, yes, a little creepiness with how aggressive this is. I don't know. I feel like this is just a celebratory rock and roll number. There's a lovely comment from Freddie in a 1976 interview with Capitol Radio where he was asked, why tie your mother down? And Freddie answers 
Well, this one is in fact a track written by Brian, actually. I don't know why. Maybe he was in one of his vicious moods. I think he's trying to outdo me after death on two legs, actually. (laughs) But again, Brian clearly states that this was something that inspired all of them to go, let's rock with this, literally. So maybe this isn't just a sole Brian composition when it comes to the lyrics. Lots of cool stuff about this song and its history, when it was written. You guys, this was being composed perhaps as early as 68. I've written down 70, 71, and here's the reason why. Brian confirmed that a key inspiration for the riff of this song came from Taste's Morning Sun from their On the Boards 1970 album. So that the riff, which would ultimately inspire the entire song's creation, was composed on a Spanish guitar while Brian was in Tenerife, the Canary Islands, while he was working on his PhD. And he was doing that. I did a lot of research about his time out there in the Canary Islands. There's quite a few articles about this because Brian is an astrophysicist and he put a lot of work into his studies out there in the Canary Islands at that time. And I found specifically the dates of 1970, 1971. There is even a photo Brian himself took of the zodiacal light in 71, I think. And this was all the way before Queen. You guys, yes, him and Roger knew each other, playing together in Smile, and Freddie was joining the ranks. John joined, of course, in 71. And at that time, they were ultimately Queen. So this was around that time The guys were just getting started. That's how old the initial creation of this riff is. He sang the title of the song with the riff as a joke, but Freddie said, hey, keep that. A little bit more about Tenerife. Brian loves it there. Says he feels pulled like it's a place he can be closer to the heavens. He wants his ashes scattered there. Also, this is totally random, but Brian did a concert with Tangerine Dream in Tenerife in 2011. Just really cool, interesting stuff about this location and how much Brian loves it and how much is centered around it in his history. I was so fascinated to read about this, but it's interesting that he came up with this riff all the way back then in perhaps the late 60s, early 70s. Now, supposedly the second verse of this song was inspired by the band Hustler, who supported Queen on the Sheer Heart Attack tour. And it alluded to their rather lousy attitude, perhaps, because Hustler had a single out at the time called Get Out of My House. And this song is referenced in the lyrics entire Mother Down in the second verse. You're such a dirty louse, go get out of my house. So, Brian, another question for you. (laughs) Is there an actual reference to... Hustler in that second verse. During the filming of the promotional video, which the guys did for this song, there was an explosion in the intro of the song that went off under a bucket near Roger's kit and it blew him off the seat. And they didn't know what happened to him at first. This was a really close call. And in Brian's words, it nearly killed him. It nearly killed Roger. So thankfully, Roger, while he was stunned, he was okay and the promo was completed. But can you imagine, (laughs) can you imagine just opening up the track with those big crashes of cymbals and drums and all of a sudden the explosions go off and you're kicked off your seat? I mean, 
wow, that must have been pretty scary stuff. I want to talk about the opinion of this song in general, of people, because it's quite interesting. I have read some reviewers, bloggers, call this creepy, immature, outright offensive. Because when you read the lyrics, it is very apparent that the narrator is trying to convince his interest to be with him intimately and do whatever it takes to make that happen. And there are allusions to things like school girl stuff, right? So it, it sounds a little bit twisted in that. How old? <laughs> How old are these people here? You know, obviously there's a young attitude going on here. So I think in that way, there's a little bit of questionable content. And when you think about the fact that the song was released in the 70s, it might've been that much more controversial had people really thought about the lyrics themselves. I think because this is rock and roll, there's a little bit more freedom taken with it. And perhaps people don't bat an eye quite so quickly. But as we pick things apart more and more, yes, it is possible that some may see this as, oh, wow, this is really over the top. This is really pushing that boundary. But the praise for this song as a whole is very, very universal. All music editor Stephen Thomas Erlewine, I think I've talked about his comments before, cited Tie Your Mother Down as one of the best tracks on the album, A Day at the Races. I've read so many fans' comments about their love for this and how hard it is and how memorable and fun that riff is, saying it's the pure energy of rock and roll. I've read things like, bloody magnificent and absolutely entertaining and totally replayable. One of the best comments I've seen about this song and Brian's composing it, this is straight from YouTube. Someone wrote, Brian May, astrophysicist, animal welfare activist, all around gentleman. Also Brian May writes this and fat bottomed girls. <laughs> Spot on, absolutely, this is what I was talking about, the dynamics of Brian May. This song, more than anything, is a lesson in the dynamics of Brian May and his fabulous songwriting. Again, we have a guy who is a reflector. You know, he thinks about things. He's very insightful. And then we get this. And I still don't know if this is entirely Brian's thinking. When Freddie said, hey, this title's great. You should just roll with this. Did Brian write the lyrics or did all the guys kind of jump in on this one? So many questions about this. Ultimately, I love it. I think it's fantastic. So let's dive right into it. The nitty gritty. This is one of my favorite parts of all of my Queen Deep Dives. The song itself and how it rolls through it. And yes, it begins with a massive gong. Very elegant. This is a remnant of the end of Bohemian Rhapsody, if you remember. It's very smooth. It's very soft. And then that guitar, it's actually White Man from A Day at the Races, commanding power chords accented by echoes of that gong, heavy fifth and octave transitions on that gritty guitar, and a massive dip from tonic to tonic, drawing in a dramatic crash as it starts to rise. This is the shepherd tone I talked about when I kicked off A Day at the Races. This song cycles into this tone. 
but it's not really totally a shepherd tome. This is the intro section that's that 4-4 flexible time and both D minor and G mixolydian. And in this part, which Brian compared to an Escher painting with the never-ending stairs, right? That illusion. It's actually a multi-tracked arrangement with pedal bass and triads of harmonies. It's this fantastic illusion of circling chords that rises and never ends, and it pulls us into the manic energy. We're about to enter the riff. Ah, the riff. It's one of the finest straightforward rocking things Queen or Brian ever did. 4-4 shuffle beat, A major, It's a welcome shift of pace and feel as we get into one of my favorite opening numbers from the boys. Bluesy, shifty, aggressive, mad. The guitars are all around us. Drums and cymbals. Freddy. Ooh, yeah. Literally. Then after another round of riffs, the verse begins. Get your party gown. Get your pigtail down. Get your heart beaten, baby. Clearly, as I said, the narrator is confident. He's ready. He's not failing this time. And he's letting us know. The contrast of major and minor tones seamlessly integrated here. It just feels like it's supposed to be played this way. The guys are so good at this kind of arrangement. There's a wonderful shift in the third portion of the verse to a major third degree, and it's a nice surprise. Throughout these clever moments, John bases away. I'm just going to start saying that. He bases away. In other words, he nails it. And then some. Roger pounds the living daylights out of the drums and the cymbals on every beat. Brian is, of course, rocking out. And Freddie is singing and speaking, or parlando, another term for it, giving us way too much information, (laughs) more instrumental. And I swear when that chorus comes in, tie your mother down. It feels almost slightly kind of rockabilly. I can't explain it. It's certainly fun. Brian provides multiple harmonies and melodies in the chorus vocally, but all three of them, Brian, Freddie, and Roger, round it out, especially at the end of each phrase. And Roger, who reaches higher and higher harmonies, a high E5 and full chest voice, no less, by the last chorus. Very impressive. Back to the bulk of the song here. The second verse sees more tongue-in-cheek lyrics, more attitude from Freddie with more parlando. Your family ties, in fact, I don't think I ever heard a single little civil word from those guys. Who wrote these lyrics? Brian mentioned, quote-unquote, we built it lyrically. So, collaboration. Maybe? Who cares? I I love John's bass in the second half of that second verse. He adds variation away from the tonic, creeps up the scale here and there. It's a wonderful teaser in the ear. Then we get more glorious chorus and one of my absolute favorite things in the whole song. Take your little brother swimming with a brick. That's all right. Oh my, it's so awful. (laughs) It's so fun. At this point, we're nearly offended, if we're not already, by the sheer force and demand. Brian digs in with his solo, and it's one of his most distorted, rougher ones ever, but still singable and lyrical. I love that no matter the sound coming out of his guitar, the style is still all 
Brian. This is one of those spots where we get a little something new too, because this is a bluesier solo from him. He does a slide after the third phrase with more lead fills as well. Refreshing techniques we haven't heard before. And the bridge is short but sweet where Freddie or the narrator, if you like, maybe Brian, we may never know, confesses, they can't understand it. I'm just a peace-loving guy. But the music seems to contradict that sentiment because there's a nice slide glissando, very aggressive on Brian's guitar, accented by loud bass accents, crashes on the drums. Into the final chorus, we go louder, bigger, more demanding. Give me all your love tonight. And the riff doesn't quit. Brian plays grittier guitar lead. Freddie chimes in with some cheeky lyrics that seem really improvised in the greatest way. He's got such a great touch with that. John has more fun on his bass. Finally, Roger gives us an impressive set of tom rolls, slowing the cadence, pentatonic bass from John, and a final crash to put a cap on this marvelous opening number. You guys, I love this song. Every time I hear it, I'm always impressed with it. It gets, it gets my heart beating, baby. <laughs> it really does. It's, it is sexy, even if it's a little bit perverse, even if it's a little bit over the top, playful, controversial. I don't care. I like this song. It's total rock and roll. It kicks off a day at the races in such an energetic way. I think the guys have a blast with this. Obviously, they loved it. They played it nonstop on their tours, and it always sounded great. And I love the guitar here. That bluesy inflection is such a nice shift away from some of the classically inspired stuff we've had from Brian and, in fact, Freddie in the past as well. We've had a very strong classical influence, especially with A Night at the Opera. But here, no. It's full-on hard bluesy rock and roll, baby. And I love it. You know, I saw a comment from Brian, and I don't know when he said this, but every once in a while I read quotes from the guys that they gave over the years about their thoughts around songs or their fame and what have you. And he mentioned something about how because the press were so hard on them, they never really knew sometimes if they were any good. And I don't know if that was Brian's own feelings or if it was kind of a universal thing in the band where every once in a while, one or all of them would think to themselves, do we really suck? Because the critics were very hard on them. I've talked about that so many times now. I don't think I need to reiterate those things. But the critics were very, very hard on Queen. But the fans loved them. And the guys knew that. But Brian specifically says, you know, they would question themselves. Is anything we're doing any good? But then the fandom would erupt in massive applause time and time again, especially on tours. They received awards for their work. They topped charts. They sold tons of records. So all the proof was there. But I find it interesting that at least Brian questioned how brilliant they really were. And that shows that even if they had an arrogance about them, which people have commented from time to time, this was a thing, it's rock and roll, how can you not have a little bit of arrogance? But it shows there was still a humble attitude there of my goodness, we've done all these things and we've innovated and we've, we've tried all these experiments and we've done so much with our music, but what does it really mean? Where is the worth here? And I appreciate that, especially coming from Brian. 
But I wonder how prominent those thoughts and feelings were among the guys and if they still had those moments, even later in their career, if they still had those moments. I mean, everybody doubts what they're doing at some point, even if they've had massive success before. I know I've had moments where I've done things I've done countless times. And if I have a bad moment, if I have a bad day, I question everything I've ever done. Why do we do that? Interesting human psyche, human condition things here. But that, ladies and gentlemen, long story short, tie your mother down. One of Brian's most fun, unabashed rock and roll compositions we ever get in the entire Queen catalog. And it's all right here kicking off a day at the races. I'll be back next time. Keep yourselves alive. Hopefully I can knock out another episode or two of these this week. I want to keep rocking and rolling on races because I love a day at the races. And this will be fun to dive into more Queen Deep Dives. But I'll talk to you guys again. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy, and all that jazz.